0: What's up, Jay Browns? Live from Toronto, Ontario, and Kansas City, Missouri, this is the Torture Rack Podcast. I am your host, Mark Bass. My co-host is John F. Malta, and I'm very happy to be here with you, our friends in wrestling. John, say something.
1: Let the people know you're alive, pal. Break out your checkbooks, my friends. For the low, low price of $724.99... <laughs> You can get the AEW replica title and the first official Torture Act t-shirt on
0: ProWrestlingTees.com. And if you're looking for a new credit card to finance <laughs> uh, some of these big purchases, I want to let you know that WWE and Capital One have you covered the new WWE <laughs> credit cards. Big shout out so to can...
1: whoever uh, on Reddit uh, made that post explaining to people who might not read the fine print of credit cards. Why they maybe it's not the best potential decision to get that card. Um, but, dude, listen, yeah, we have. Listen, if Pro- you want
0: to pay 26% interest and, <laughs> you know, be on the same team as the Undertaker and Kane.
1: Then you will get this credit card.
0: You will get this credit card.
1: ProWrestlingTees.com slash TortureRacked. We have two shirts up
0: there right now.
1: More on the way. Oh, right. You wanted to talk about the the actual
0: stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, you should get it. It says uh, TortureRacked Magazine Staff. So you could be mistaken as one of us.
1: And we're uh, uh, both working hard on our articles for TortureRacked issue 5. I spent a lot of maybe We're
0: working so hard. Maybe...
1: Good God. You've been riding bikes and taking it easy, but... uh, I'm working on it. In you can see there's some text in there. The words of Eddie Kingston, you want to talk about grinding. I have been grinding away on this article to the point that I have spent so much time watching that Eddie Kingston promo that he cut on Cody. I'm working on an article about the highlights of the COVID era of last year. And right. that was the first thing that I wrote about. And can't get it out of my mind now. I walk Porky and I cut Eddie Kingston's Just... promo while I'm you know walking around alone with him. Uh, was that,
0: like, a specifically COVID sort of
1: era angle? Or
0: was that just during well, the, like, open challenge it angle? It was
1: during Cody's open challenge, and it is a moment from the era that would be called the COVID era that I think right, is right, noteworthy.
0: Right. Uh, it wasn't, like, an eye for an eye match or anything like that that was, like, made made to juice ratings in the COVID era. Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. I do, that actually completely slipped my mind. That match has, like... <laughs> I, for, I, have I forgot what we were talking that. about for a minute. Let me tell
0: you, like, do you remember this, John? Do you remember ninjas and a giant squid oh my God. in a garbage uh, dumpster? Wow,
1: what a weird... What was the match? It was War Machine, War Raiders, it was Viking Experience. War Raiders,
0: Viking Experience versus um, the Street Profits. So, you know, two very accomplished teams. What I want to see is some, like, back... Stage Scooby Doo hijinks between these two. So of
1: course it did not write about either of those. Uh, but yeah, hit up our pro wrestling T shop. Probably have I have a couple more shirts that I'm working on now that are more dominated by my illustrations. So if that is what you're looking for in T shirts from us, wait till the end of this month; they'll be up then. Probably.
0: Or if you're looking to be part of the torture racked enterprises, True. much get your very own Nightmare Family sweatsuit. <laughs> Which is our T-shirt? It's the same as the Nightmare Family. You're part of the team. You're part of the family. It's like Olive Garden. When you're here, you're family. It's like Fast and the Furious. It's all about family. It's a black and red design. You could get a pair of black and red Adidas pants to match it,
1: basically like a Nightmare Family tracksuit.
0: You could basically you could get some red shoes,
1: like red shoes from New J- New Japan. And speaking of Nightmare Family, I can't believe we're still watching QT and Cody. Like our on our last <laughs> episode of this podcast, I was. Blown away that that was continuing and it still is continuing. That being said, Arn Anderson's son's match was good. Like that, that was uh,
0: good. That and Brock Brock looked good. I said he looked like um, he was playing Arn in like a Netflix yeah. movie about <laughs> Ric Flair. <It's> <laughs> He's only in like one scene. um it's funny because I think we kind of pinpointed why that's annoying uh, because, uh, you know, we, we watch obviously WWE Hell in a Cell and we'll talk about that later. But there was a lot of repeated matches. And when we think about AEW, we, we, we realize like so few matches are really repeated to the point that like we could we could mention ones like where people have fought each other multiple times. Like your your Kenny Omega's and PAX, Kenny Omega and Moxley. Um, Orange
1: Cassidy and Chris Jericho.
0: Yeah, there's but there's only a few matches that really have been. Bucks and Lucha Bros. Yeah, you're you're right though,
1: especially like the tag division. It's been very reserved in terms of like rematches and who. Yeah, yeah, the matches that we're seeing over and over again. Really, the only people who have been circling each other, I would say, in the tag division specifically, has been Bucks and uh, Lucha Bros. I actually can't think of another because they've had a lot of triple threat matches or not triple threat, but six man matches, multi man matches, like. Pretty much since the beginning of AEW, they had that crazy They they had a couple
0: matches together. They had Escalera de la Morte, but then they also had uh, just a great banger on Dynamite at some point. But anyway, this is all to say that it's very rare that matches get repeated, but we feel like we're seeing this Cody. There's two things that are going on. There's the Cody and the QT, uh, Nightmare Family versus Nightmare... What is the thing? Nightmare Training Facility? Whatever it's called. Nightmare Factory. Nightmare Factory. Family versus Factory. What a weird thing. And then you also have um, the Inner Circle and the Pinnacle that are sort of circling themselves with right. each other. But I don't mind that one as much because they're finding new matchups. Like, we haven't seen MJF versus Sammy Guevara yet. That's going to be sick. And also because these are all, like, up-and-coming stars, whereas QT is is, is not an up-and-coming star. Um, well, and, and, and
1: even though the like pacing has been kind of weird with the Pinnacle... Uh inner circle feud it's the there the moments you can pull out of it and the matches that have been pulled out of it have been great like the most recent match that we've watched the cage fight aw dynamite yes! fight, jake hager versus wardlow that was sick really incredible match i loved that uh i wasn't sure going into it like i guess i didn't expect so much of like a kind of just like true mma presentation like i kind of expected more like a blood sport sort of like it having right. its own aesthetic.
0: I don't think look. it was on the same level as something like Riddle and Thatcher, like in the cage from NXT. Yeah, I
1: guess from like a work rate standpoint, probably not.
0: But it was just so much fun. Like it just like the octagon was there. Um, they seem to be like I don't know. I I know obviously it was work, but there seemed to be some shoot punches in there. I don't know if there's any love lost between these two. I know I'm always like the sucker for kayfabe, but
1: they posted some of the like photos of contact there there's contact that happened in that match i think yeah. it's like blood sport where it's like obviously they're not going to break each other's arms so they can go to whatever show they have to go to work afterwards but like they will be stiff so they punches. can go
0: work their jobs afterwards i i'm pretty sure wardlow is a uh, waiter at night he works because oh, he looks uh... like one uh but yeah he looks he looks blue blue. like a sommelier eh? he should be <laughs> reginald <laughs>
1: The, that That is who he would be in WWE, sadly, despite how <laughs> talented he is. Um, dude, but yeah, that match, the Wardlow-Hager match really reminded me a lot at moment, moments of uh, Owen Hart and Ken Shamrock, the Lion's Den match.
0: Yes, and also some pan craze a little bit. I mean, not as intense as the pan craze, right. but I like that it ended in the second round because it didn't, if they had gone three rounds, it would have felt more like, oh, this is like worked. But the fact that, it ended in the middle of the second round I thought it was like a kind of a cool ending
1: yeah likewise I love the Made Superman punch
0: off the cage like that that moment really stood out to me a lot um, that was super sick I gotta say I I feel like um, Dynamite's been killing it the last couple of weeks I know that they haven't been killing it ratings wise but they're on a pretty good streak of just like solid all killer no filler Dynamites.
1: but yeah in the main event too like really seeing uh, I, I Kaz is someone that hasn't I haven't disliked or liked. It's just been like he's there, but I really like his him being in the
0: mix with uh, Penta and Kingston in the main event of the. Uh... Yeah, it's like a new Kaz. It's not. It's like a, just a Kaz who, who who wants to go out there and fuck shit up. I think you underrated uh, Kaz versus Christian from like a month ago. I thought that was a a really excellent match, mm. and you were like B minus. I felt like you didn't <laughs> give. I feel like you didn't give Kaz a chance, man. But. I oh, no. Yeah, I guess I didn't. Maybe I should go back and watch it. We watch
1: a lot of wrestling, so, you know. We
0: watch a lot of wrestling. What else did we watch, John?
1: New Japan Dominion. We have a new... I almost called it the Universal Champion. A new... War, uh, <laughs> Basically. Yeah, kind of. I mean, the I New G- Japan Universal IWGP World.
0: World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, we were going to have one no matter what, because the title had been vacated by Will Ospreay, so...
1: Very true. Well, a new, but new, but not really, because like, well, yes, there would always be like a new champion. But if Okada won it, it would be like, okay, Okada's the champion again. But it was
0: unclear whether it was just going to go into a holding position with Okada, which I think that's what it would have been if Okada had it. Would have just kind of been like, okay, we're going to put it back onto Koda, or we're going to put it back onto Osprey when he gets back. But putting it onto Shingo, I just feel like we're booking it at this point. Like it's just all of our all of our boys are are winning the iwgp title
1: yeah i love that shingo won and then the match itself too i really i don't know man just like watching okada that match shingo's matches are high intensity high impact smash mouth matches and okada has developed this very like he's always been a calculated wrestler in his matches like it's like yeah you know we've talked about it a lot his like ability to sort of be like michael jordan kind of like let let his like let the tank fill up and then like high impact moments. He's a,
0: a little bit like Cody that way. Like he takes a lot yes. of punishment. He lays low for a while, but he like has the stamina to like end up winning the matches in the end. And
1: this match, I feel like is a masterful example of like the clash of that sort of mindset versus like a newer sort of like Shingo, Osprey, Ibushi, Kenny Omega, high energy match where Okada really controlled the whole first half of this match and you see like Shingo continuing to try to speed up and like evade Okada and Okada just keeps wrenching him into submissions uh Rocky and Kevin Kelly both talking about how Okada's taking it back to basics with this match and just really doing some like you know map based wrestling and you can see Shingo like getting frustrated being forced to like kind of go at Okada's pace and that's you know okada excels in doing that and then finally shingo pulls off an irish whip and levels okada with a like a lariat and then from there it's kind of this like back and forth where like shingo gets these big moments in but then okada slows it down a little bit it's like in my mind in my memory it's like the way that naito has like Naito's nice, so whole gimmick of being sort of calm and sedate and, like, his, like, tranquilo sort of, like, the way he calms his uh, opponents down and, like, does this thing with his hands where he, like, kind of, like, pats the air, like, chill out, we're gonna, like, yeah, take yeah, it yeah. slow. I feel like that is Okada's mindset at the moment with this new sort of, like, WWE Super... or WWF Superstars sort of moves totally. he's been yeah. using since, like, maybe, like, the New Japan Cup. I feel like last year was when he started this sort of...
0: Um I can't pinpoint the exact moment but it's like after he dropped the belt basically. Right.
1: Yes. To Koda. Yeah, I think it was it was like in in the last year because I feel like I remember making that observation. I mean it could have been before that because we just started the podcast last year but
0: I think it like it like it started in the G1 if I'm not mistaken.
1: New Japan Cup came like, before the G1 though. And I remember thinking like I remember him doing right, like the big boot right. to Gato. in that Are you
0: certain about that?
1: Last year. Well, no, it always does, but last year it did, yeah. That was the first thing New Japan produced, like, within the, uh, like, COVID era, uh.
0: I'm basically, I'm just getting it confused because I'm, like, jumping years. and And stuff then like the thing. G1 happened,
1: but yeah, it's always before it, anyways. It feels
0: like the New Japan Cup was more recent than the G1.
1: Well, that's true, because the New Japan Cup happened again. So it's, like, in the last year, oh, like basically okay. between now and last June, there's been two New Japan Cups and one G1. Uh, but yeah,
0: Makes perfect then
1: sense. as the match out. continued, like Shingo really just dominates Okada for most of the last half of the match, like, and is now the world champion. And I, I feel like it's like a maybe a sign too that the belt will likely stay there. But maybe we'll see more cross promotional like we're obviously going to see cross more cross promotional stuff because there's a event in Los Angeles that Moxley and Jay White are both on. That's happening
0: in August. Oh, that's sick. a New Japan event. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, this was a great match. I, I think I need to watch it again because I think I might have underrated this one uh, a little bit. I think I'm just spoiled by New Japan. Every time I see Shingo in a match or Okada in a match, I know it's going to be great. I love seeing Okada against these faster guys, and I think you like very beautifully put why that is. Um, he's slow and deliberate, and it's great to see him against like just a very explosive opponent because Okada really chooses his moments to be explosive. Right. So it's great seeing him against Shingo, against Osprey, against Ken, um, Kenny Omega. Like I feel like these are these are sort of his his opposites. Like he's in he's in an, like an older class, and these are like the generation kind of just just after him almost. But that's a simplistic kind of yeah. But it's thing, still but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, because
1: he's had he's you know had his tenure as champion. Not that he's anywhere near like you know where Tanahashi is at in his career, but he is in terms of stature he is somewhere between like you know shingo osprey ibushi and tanahashi uh not quite legend not quite up and comer yeah but totally yep yeah and yeah. uh excited for shingo ibushi which i think is happening sooner than later i think it's a, at the end of this month if i'm not mistaken. Um, where do you think it goes from here? I think uh, Shingo think, holds uh, on to it for a little while. I'd be surprised if he didn't. I mean,
0: he somebody's got to, for fuck's <laughs> sakes. Like, how many people have had this belt since it debuted? Well, only
1: three so far, but like okay. at three so people...
0: Koda Osprey, and Shingo in the last how long? For month?
1: a new belt, it came out this year, like since February.
0: Like three months, maybe? Yeah,
1: that's a lot of, like a new champion every month. But yeah, so hopefully... And Shingo has a lot of different people you can have matches with. Even that, like kind of like secondary matches that would be like, um, you know, fan, like, service, crowd pleaser matches like Ishii versus Shingo where it's like probably Shingo is not dropping to Ishii but we want to see that match. Same thing with like a Shingo-Suzuki rematch. Uh, and then just other random matches too like that could happen. Like tai Chi, uh, Desperado. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different people that I think like...
0: You think he fights Naito?
1: Yes, yeah, because they had some great matches in the G1 uh, and yeah. would love to see them clash for that belt. Yeah, I think he fights in the I think this is very
0: ripe for, for story opportunity. Like, with Will Ospreay, for the most part, it was just like, I just want to see these matches. They're all going to be bangers. But I think Shingo, they could actually tell some some better stories because he's been so much more active in the last couple of years, yeah. really coming up, whereas Osprey has obviously had some time off. Shingo has been fighting everybody and has, yeah... Some cool rivalries to exploit. Some cool division between Lij. They seem to be able to always fight each other, but like maintain respect.
1: Yeah, it kind of like is almost speaks to like their sort of in between as being like sort of the like heel slash face co- like faction as well. Yeah, the, well. the, tw- like, the alternate tweener. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're Did- all able to sort of like throw down with each other and still maintain their sort of yeah faction. Versus like some yeah. of the other factions that have fought each other, and I feel like there's probably more dissent, like you know, story-wise, uh, within them.
0: Uh, Did you want to talk about Abushi uh, Jeff Cobb at all? Because I know these were basically those the are the only two, two matches, matches that you both of which watched. I really cared about. Uh, like, I mean, different.
1: very cool to see Jeff Cobb where he's at now and where he was like even just like a year and a half ago.
0: Uh, it really feels like people are being rewarded for their work rate at this moment. Since Evil, it's been like okay. People who are, like, just putting on the best matches are going to rise the card fastest. Dude, and that's what, what we see with Shingo and Jeff Cobb. That's
1: exactly... That was what I wanted to talk about with this match. Yes.
0: Nice. Jeff Cobb... Because <laughs> Jeff Cobb
1: basically did what Lance Archer did. When Lance Archer was in the yeah. G1, the year that Davey Boy Smith left New Japan and the G1 happened in the States. So that would have been 2019, because it wasn't last year. Uh, mm-hmm. That year, Lance Archer really threw down, established himself as a single star, and then got a contract with AEW, like, you know, went and fought, at the end of his uh, New Japan run, fought Mox in the Tokyo Dome, had a killer Texas death match, and now is ripping it up in AEW with Jake the Snake as his manager. Similarly, and that same year, I was really high on Jeff Cobb that year, like, very, that 2019, but then he didn't, yeah. Kevin Kelly even made mention of this a lot in last year's G1, saying, like, you know, people felt like Jeff Cobb didn't live up to his like expectations. Uh,
0: I wonder if he was injured at all during that. time. Maybe,
1: yeah. And he really delivered last year, and now is sort of hovering around that like main event scene with Ibushi and Shingo uh, Okada. Um, you know, step above a lot of the other New Japan roster, and I think that's really cool. Like, it's a cool way to look, and watch. it's why New Japan's fun to watch. People who stand yes. out. People who have have a chance to, like, stand out in their matches and then they're rewarded for the hard work that they put into it, it seems like, at least from my perspective, versus, like, well, Jeff Cobb's the person we're going to write into a storyline this year.
0: Yes, we're just going to choose this person, like, whether you like it or not, whether it's working or not, we're just going to just steamroll ahead. Right. Which is kind of, like, what it felt like with Evil. But yes, good point. Let me, let me ask you this, because the reason I think this is true is because there seems to be some obvious people who have kind of been stepped over to kind of put these people in these positions. True. Like, it feels like if Sonata was a little bit better, he would be in the main event picture right now, just based on how long he's been around. Yeah. And kind of how as much as he's done. Well, we were
1: all in on Sonata uh, last year when Evil we won. We were all yeah. in.
0: You, you wanted him to win the... I, G1, I yeah
1: I, I had it planned out i was like well even before yeah, that, that like at the beginning notes. of last summer yeah i was like uh, it's got to be sonata versus naito maybe sonata gets the intercontinental title from naito naito keeps the iwgp belt sonata goes off on its own Although well, then i know we'd watch evil all year um, yeah
0: yeah and we we talked about tai chi maybe stepping up a little bit as well um i haven't seen him quite as much but it's
1: just interesting that there are these tournaments and opportunities where it's like look you have to wrestle like 16 matches everybody yeah (laughs) to wrestle (laughs) most of the roster so you have this opportunity and showcase and we see something in you because we're showcasing you in this prestigious tournament so it should give us a reason to push you even further than that
0: is it weird john that we are we are now watching full wwe pay-per-views but like not really watching full NJPW pay per view? That's a good
1: point. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it is weird in that, like, uh, I mean, the problem is a lot of New Japan's big events have been booked kind of like road to events. Like, they feel like the undercard is starting is to feel like a primary. Is it because it's mostly
0: just, yeah. Is it because it's mostly just like six man tags and stuff, or is it, is it because there's not enough storylines going into those matches, or.
1: Yes, I think both Be- of those things. Because normally every person has some kind of disposition in New Japan, even if it's just like Suzuki's mad about something. Like, I feel like generally almost everybody has some purpose to be there fighting beyond just wanting like a title shot. And I I think that some of that has gone away and they're kind of, you know, I don't know, it's been a weird year for New Japan. Uh, I perpetually am hoping to be crypt again. And I feel like with the Shingo, Shingo becoming champ,
0: obviously definitely has my attention um i'm always gripped at the main event like i always want to see the main event when there's been a show i'm like let's watch the main event and usually there's you know one or two sort of mid-card matches that were psyched to see for example something like this coda versus uh jeff cobb but the undercard has just been like i mean you are right there was was a time where
1: i was like all in watching all the like young lions matches and you know up until naito up until prior to COVID, like for years, I was watching every single show, basically.
0: So, do you think if that's it's really that they've just been really aff- affected by COVID, and then yeah. maybe it'll start to go back to normal? Yes, because
1: like they they and they have been because there's that like outbreak where it sidelined like you know eight people. So it's like, what do we do now? People are getting injured, so like their storylines are and like you know planning for who's becoming champion, who's feuding is getting disrupted. I think, like, you know, probably towards the end of this year, towards Wrestle Kingdom, it'll, you know, right the ship. And there's two... It's interesting to me uh, that AEW is running a show called Grand Slam in New York, and New Japan has a show called Grand Slam as well. I don't know if the parallels are intentional or not, but, like, I know that there's super cards in the future that have been hinted at from the stuff that I've read online, so interested to see. Yeah, it's
0: funny, because we've been really psyched about the the uh, Forbidden Door being opening, but it's really been more between AW and Impact, for the most part. Yeah, at the moment. Uh, there has been a little bit of NJPW, obviously, like, super cool to see Nagata fighting Moxley, like, Absolutely. on Dynamite for the U.S. title. Up. Yeah. Super cool to see Kenta popping up, but uh, we haven't had any of those like, holy fuck, like, Okada, Omega, Coda, Golden Lovers, Reunion, sort of, like mind-blowing yeah we'll see i mean tony khan said there's more
1: plans with new japan in the future so i'm sure that's beyond just tony khan's
0: like can you just give me a minute i'm here signing literally every wrestler (laughs) you want me to sign yeah can you just give me a fucking minute like i'm over here talking to tommy and trying to get zelina vega can you give me a minute um Love you, Tony. Love you, TK. Should we talk about while well, we're talking about? Let's talk about WWE Hell in a Cell. Great show overall.
1: You, from what you have told I me, really the internet it. really disliked this show, but yes. So front and back, I, I enjoyed I, the whole thing. Basically,
0: I I really did too. Like, not every match was was excellent, and we'll we'll get into it. But it's like it's six matches, so you have a pretty fleet card. And even though most of these matches were were rematches that we've seen before, for the most part they found something new to do that that was interesting. I don't know. I mean and I sort of agree I sort of agree with the complaints. I guess the complaints were mostly when I was hearing the finishes because several of the matches had really dumb finishes. At least three of the matches had you know, pretty just, just unsatisfying finishes and we don't really get that very much with AEW. We do get some Kenny Omega cheating but for the most part we get definitive endings. Like somebody beats somebody else. And, you know, someone has to be elevated over somebody else. Um, whereas in WWE, there's lots of just right. like, trading trading wins and stuff. But let's just talk about this thing. Bianca Belair versus Bailey, Hell in the Cell match. I knew this was going to be good because Bianca Belair is just like the whole total package. And Bailey has just always been good in Hell in a Cell matches, I've noticed. Yeah. And it's just amazing the amount of spots they figure out to do with uh, Bianca's hair. In this one, it was a lot about like tying her hair up in different yeah, places. Yeah, like a bull rope. So Bailey had. Well, at first Bailey tied her to the to, to the to the rope as like a you know uh, keeping her shackled, and then also to it to it to a chair. But then uh, Bianca reversed it by tying it to Bailey, and then suddenly they were attached like a bull rope, and that was super sick. Yeah. Um,
1: and Bianca Pat just McAfee... like it's cool to see. You pointed this out while we were watching, but it's cool that Bianca and Rhea are both the women's champions. Like, it could very easily just have been... Charlotte has been the champion for a long time, and, like, Bailey and Sasha have been passing the other belt back and forth forever. Meanwhile, every like, you know, everyone else is to it. Like, Bianca and Rhea are our main event. But that's not what's happening.
0: I think what I said was, how can you hate a company that put the big belts on Rhea and Bianca at WrestleMania? Like, that's right. that's... That's a that's a great show of faith for two of the best wrestlers. I think we have been in agreement that somehow the women's division is less badly booked than the men's division. Even though the women's division, once again, has Reginald, the sommelier, who takes up <laughs> most of the air in the right. tag division. Yeah, I've not and they seen... have Shayna Baszler stuck with fucking Nia Jax. But um, generally, like, you know, Bianca Belair and Bailey, like, they're both great wrestlers. Yeah, there was just some super creative and fun spots in this match. Just like exactly what you want from uh, Hell in a Cell. And uh, ended with a KOD on on the ladder from Bianca Belair. Just, yeah, really strong match. Uh, B plus, A minus from us. Then the next match, your second match, your typical shittiest match on the card, you have Cesaro and Seth Rollins, who just have an absolutely sick chemistry together. I think you said this was like a G1 match. Right. It
1: could have easily fall. Like, it, it was one of the first matches I feel that I've seen in WWE in a really long time. Like, not including NXT. I'm speaking specifically to main brand WWE. Where it doesn't just feel like both people are going through the formulaic motions of their That's what it moveset. felt like
0: with with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn yes. later. It just kind of was like, okay. It almost like was like when you spectate the match in like No Mercy or something. It's like the computer fighting right. itself. Yeah, there's like these twelve moves
1: or twelve moves or spots that they're each going to do and then the match will be over. the no mercy yeah. comparison is perfect. This did not feel like that at all. Like
0: No, it didn't. Just from the from the from the top, like as soon as the bell rings, Seth goes for the crossbody, but Cesaro just catches him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then he, Cesaro throws down a huge boot, knocks Seth out of the ring. Really would love to see Cesaro in NXT at some point, like tearing it up with Walter. Uh Pete Dunne. Totally
0: said he'd be great in like a, as a like a bully or a heel gimmick where he just fucks everything. Yeah, it's like beats like... up
1: Adam Cole and like Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> like just yeah. Yeah, goes there and like lifts weights with them.
0: I was also just saying just like how good Cesaro and Rollins chemistry is in the ring. I almost kind of want to see them as a tag team. It kind of reminds me of when Cesaro and Sheamus had that great series of matches. It was like a best of seven series or something like that. And can't remember who won but then they ended up just forming the bar afterwards like they just like beat the shit out of each other until they had respect and then they just formed like a great tag team I feel I feel a similar vibe even though they're they're obviously on different sides like uh, I just really like Cesaro and Seth together they're just both like very underrated workers I mean now Cesaro's got like a lot of you know the respect he deserves but for a long time
1: yeah I mean I think that's a new like the internet has respected both well, especially Cesaro for a long time, but yes. only if you like a, over the last year has that opinion seemed seemingly shifted a little bit in uh, WWE, where they realize, you know, we should book this guy and just let him wrestle. Because when you do, totally. you get this. What this legitimately, to me, felt like, yeah, a, like a preliminary G one match, like one of the first like few night matches where it's like, uh, wow, this that this was like a standout singles match. Cesaro threw down a one, Rainmaker, huge King Kong power slam. Like
0: one of my favorite moves was Seth hitting a springboard knee. Oh yes, off the ropes yeah. and like just perfect accuracy. Like you know, not it has to hit him, but like not too much to not murder Cesaro. But like when you see him in the air, like uh, I, I was I was blown away by like they're they're just both like pure athletes. I think, and I was like wondering if Seth Rollins would have like a second act to his career, like. Later, like ten years later, he's still like fighting these sick matches, and he kind of like he almost has like a Shawn Michaels. Oh, that's we'll uh, see that. Yeah, that's career. definitely gonna happen. Yeah, huge rolling lariat uh, from Cesaro, and I remember you saying that like Cole wasn't selling it hard enough. No, but, like, you wish you no. had Kevin Kelly, dude. Oh my God, Cesaro with the rolling rainmaker! Yeah, like I, throughout
1: the match, there are moments where it's just like, can one of you just? react like an excited person who <laughs> likes wrestling please like
0: I think McAfee is, is not is yet yeah. definitely it was he on the call this match too
1: uh, yes he reacts like a person but like
0: yeah just I don't
1: know like here thinking of how like yeah I mean Kevin Kelly would react to something like that where it's just like these desperation moves that like really connect you to the performance and I definitely like did not like I was feeling that from how good this match was. Like totally. connecting with the sort of the, the physical emotion and
0: Seth was working the heel for, for most of the match and he was targeting Cesaro's arm. He was stomping Cesaro's arm and uh, you know, doing a lot of arm bursts. But by the end I love to see like it's always fun when like the good guy happened later with Drew McIntyre, but when the good guy just goes fucking crazy and Cesaro kinda got that way in around the end. He gets him in the swing, steps through the sharpshooter, starts kicking Seth's arms, um, gets a cross face in and, um, Seth basically steals it with a roll up. One of the two, uh, roll up victories tonight. I can actually start to see why people are, are, getting pissed off, but, uh, rolls it up. But I was happy because, uh, Cesaro won the first match. Seth won the second match. It means they can have another rubber match and I'm, I'm all for it. It was a minus from us. Thought it was excellent. I right. mean,
1: Yes, the, the surprise roll-up is not the most exciting way to end a match, but it it has not crossed my mind until that, just now that there was...
0: Yeah, it, did, it didn't bother me that it... Both matches are know. so different.
1: Like, cause the and, and so good. McIntyre-Lashley match was much different than this. This just felt like a really, really strong singles match. I would go ahead and say probably the strongest singles match on main brand WWE. We've watched, I don't know... In over a year, can you even think of another match that stands out that this much?
0: Uh, well, there, there have been, yeah, there were certain matches. Like, I'm pretty sure the um Rey Mysterio Roman Reigns match was probably really awesome in the cell. Oh, it's like, but for matches I've seen, like the Daniel, Bryan gonna say Daniel Bryan Bryan's matches. AJ Styles yeah. match was really excellent. Uh, as far as just like a work rate match, like this was definitely one of the best. I even on this card preferred Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley, but I know that's that's not quite the same thing. That was more of a hardcore match.
1: Yeah, much more weapons based. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just like uh, is it recency bias when like the thing you've seen the most recent is like the best, but like yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I think they're like I think I've been pretty blown away that every now and then there ends up just being like a, a, a like a, a surprise, really excellent mid-card match in like a WWE pay-per-view I think there was one recently with Bobby Lashley actually um I can't remember who he fought yes
1: yeah well and I guess like it's just I didn't expect very much of anything from this match like I thought it yeah, was going a yeah cool WWE pay-per-view
0: match, is but... usually like you know if it has a great main that's awesome and then there's you know usually like fine to bad matches after that but this this pay-per-view delivered like I would say four really good matches out of six. And the
1: moments of the following match, Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler, where it was just a wrestling match, were this great. This was
0: very not... Yes. Okay. I think it's our ability to take the good with the bad that is making us enjoy this pay-per-view more, because people were not... So, basically, Alexa Bliss and Shayna Baszler, you finally see, again, Shayna in just, like, junkyard dog mode. <laughs> just, like, just, you know, reminding us, like, why she was such a force uh, in NXT, and why we, like, we're hoping she'd win the Royal rumble and just like take over the women's division, continue her undefeated streak. Um, they were having a great physical match together. And then I guess there was some, um, mind Hypnosis, control where, yeah. uh, well, Shayna was trying not to maintain eye contact with Alexa bliss. And then when she did, she let go of the, you know, the hold, um, Shayna, uh, Alexa made eye contact with, uh, Nia Jax on the outside of the ring. And then that caused her to punch Reginald in the face, which fair enough. Um, but yes, the, the moments where this match was actually just wrestling were really good. Okay. And then the moments where there was like spooky stuff was like, I guess. This is what I expected.
1: Yeah, like I expected it and I was drawing during this. So it's like, oh, okay, cool. There's like this physicality of the smash is great. And then like, yeah, Alexa starts mind controlling. Nah, it's. Uh, Naya, I, I don't know. It's just like, do we really need to see that? No, so I guess drawing.
0: almost every single <laughs> match ended really dumb, except for. Uh, Bianca and, and Bailey and, uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, but yeah, this was the disposable part of the pay per view for me. Bliss and Baszler, I thought was was fine. There was some good wrestling. If it had gone on t- ten minutes longer, it probably would have been really good. Even if it did have that spooky nonsense, but Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, like I don't know, with no different stipulation and no real story going into this, I just didn't care
1: yeah likewise it, this was a match to me that felt like the formulaic we have we like we just we said earlier it's like yeah this is sort of we've seen this match before we've seen better versions of this match in the past and
0: I would say every version of this match <laughs> was probably better yeah yeah it was definitely I don't want to be too low... negative because this was actually one of the ones that people like really liked, liked. wow yeah, I yeah. I felt the most... I can't take the temp anymore, man.
1: ...disinterested at this point. Like, I didn't feel like yes. I don't like this, but I just felt, like, bored during this.
0: Now, Rhea and Charlotte, I was immediately out at of tension. Really good match. We gave uh, the last two matches, like, B-minus, basically. This was a B-plus match, Rhea versus Charlotte. Um, although they did not really capitalize on their history together, and the fact that Rhea was NXT Women's Champ and then Charlotte... Beater for it, like that wasn't really in the package that much. Well, it's like they're trying um, to reshape so...
1: the story a little bit too, though, with the way that they're
0: like, well, positioning. It really Rhea does to look be... like they're, yeah, they're trying to get Bria to be the heel, right? I guess Vince is like, oh, she's she got tattoos and short hair, like, of course she's the heel, Charlotte Flair. But it's like Ric Flair was always a heel, and Charlotte is better as a, you know, she's just like the shit, like she's just like. I'm the best and also I can back it up in the ring it's a great character you don't really need much more than that trying to make her the face is like I don't know it's it, it would be like trying to make John Cena a face like today just seems like it's not gonna fly and Rhea's just so friggin cool and like has such a cool moveset like great presentation it's pretty obvious like who should be the heel and who should be the face but having said that this was an awesome really physical match um also had a really stupid fucking ending. Of this was the Rhea. ending, the only ending out of the whole night that bothered me, actually. Yes, Rhea basically got herself like, disqualified by it. taking the the uh, top off the announce table and hitting Charlotte with it, and then she beat up Charlotte. I hope this is just like, you know, the good guys again, just being like a just going crazy and just being like, this is my yard, basically. Like when
1: um, has that ever been a disqualification in WWE ever?
0: It hasn't. People get put through tables. In on regular, regular matches. matches. Like,
1: yeah. just not hardcore matches, not no, no holds bar grudge matches. matches. Like, the no, table just... is like a part of the set that they use sometimes. It's like using the st- stairs. I guess maybe people have been disqualified for that, but...
0: It's actually amazing to behold, like, the fact that everything that was good about this show was wrestling. And everything that was bad about it was stuff that was written down. And like a story or like a reason a match had to end a certain way like all that stuff that's is really funny totally fucking perfunctory yeah but the wrestling was 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 really solid man rhea hit a fucking missile dropkick. oh dude yeah off the top her, her missile drop kicks that are was so like, good oh my god yeah um she at one point like ducked to clothesline headbutt charlotte and then hit her with a super kick and i was just like you are you are an op character yeah charlotte throws down
1: that like, huge moonsault to a standing moonsault like that that was a crazy spot
0: that was super sick as well yeah um top rope superplex from Rhea. i was like when they go to the very top rope to do the superplex uh the impact was huge yeah. on that like just like a really sick match um dude when
1: she hit that riptide too i mean i kind of see they telegraphed to charlotte to put her f- foot on the rope but like at first right I really thought, like, oh wow, that this that is it. it. This will be the ending, and she yeah. won because I, I don't know that. I guess maybe she had to do an avalanche riptide on Baszler to win the title. So maybe people have kicked out of riptide, uh, but I can't. Maybe. I can't think of at least from we only watch pay per views, but from what we've watched, I don't recall a time where anyone's kicked out of that move. Um,
0: I really think that what they're showing us here is. In their mind, like, they have their score in their head, the way we had the power rankings. In their mind, Charlotte is, like, a 95 and Rhea is, like, an 89. And they just really straight up don't want... They don't want to take the title off Rhea yet, but they just, like, cannot abide Rhea actually beating Charlotte. Um, Which I hope I'm wrong about that, because it should all be about getting to a point where Rhea beats her clean and, like retains the title and goes like but it'll, now I'm better than you. Right, but
1: it won't be that probably right. It seems no, like it Charlotte's probably gonna won't. win it. I would think.
0: Yeah, there the women's division could get pretty shooken, shook up in the next little bit when Becky Lynch seems like she's returning soon. Charlotte getting a more active role. Oh is that true? Um yeah. Becky Lynch is coming back? Yeah. Cool. She's been in the performance center. She's in incredible shape. I did not uh Know that at all? Oh, That's I should have just—I should have just left it. Surprise. She's, yeah. she's probably gonna debut some. Like I was thinking, she might debut actually at the last night show, but it's not big enough, and there's no crowd. This was actually the last uh, pay per view of the Thunderdome, at least for now, of the Thunder, Thunderdome era, um, which is pretty cool. Main event: Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. I I loved this. Like I thought this was like if Drew had won this match and won the title, I would have given this an A. Like to me, mm-hmm. this was just like. A fantastic Hell in the Cell match. You saw Drew's back oh, after I sent you yeah. the picture. It was all ripped up. They took some nasty bumps in this. Like Bobby had um, them him in the in the Hurt Lock, and then he like basically launched them both backwards through a table in the corner outside the ring, and it looked nasty. Dude, that huge like, like steel stair air raid
1: crash. Oh
0: my gosh, that was super. They're sick. both so heavy yeah.
1: too. Just like I don't know the impact of that move and their weight seems like it would hurt so bad.
0: Totally. I feel like McIntyre is, like, other than maybe Reigns, is, like, the only person in the company who could, like, convincingly manhandle Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Especially since they cut Braun.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I absolutely love, too, in this match that, like, if... I mean, personally, and I mean, I know probably most people feel this way, like, I, I wish that the Hell in the Cell was just a match stipulation and not a show. But I like that, like... In this match, the cage was the weapon that they mostly used against each other.
0: Yes, it was a true Hell in the Cell match. It wasn't just like a hardcore match that happened to take place in Hell in the Cell. Yeah, because a lot of those matches. fighting outside the ring. It could just be a hardcore match in a ring. Well, even Bailey versus um, Bianca Belair from earlier in the show didn't need to be Hell in the Cell. Could have just been no holds barred. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this one was awesome. They, They fought mostly outside the ring. There were some huge spots. Like I said, Drew towards the end of the match just like became just like vicious and was like beating Bobby with the chair which we don't typically see from faces but I think that's why people like heels more uh (laughs) because they can actually just like try to fucking win
1: yeah and just like a few moments too like where he's like slamming Bobby's head over and over and over again into the cage just like it it felt I mean and seeing Drew's those pictures of Drew's back too like it obviously was like a true like war like you know with actual contact
0: totally there was one moment where drew had bobby basically he had him by the ankles upside down behind his back like hanging and he just like flipped him up and face first like face buster into a chair oh yeah jesus christ picks him up then he picks him up spine busters him then he picks him up again and um does a sitting power bomb, like just such sick moves, and like the impact on all these moves, like when you hit a move on Bobby Lashley, it's just like the impact is, is enormous. So, man, this was just such a good like destroyers match. Yeah, it was like an Drew incredible is, match. Is, has, has honestly like really ascended into that like I don't know. I could see Drew fighting Kane, like like Kane with a mask, like in the old days. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he he rules. Um, really
1: hope he gets. The WrestleMania win next year. Like I could see Lashley holding it to SummerSlam, and since SummerSlam's in Vegas, bringing Brock back for that, uh, and then having Brock win it there, and then Brock holds Brock it till WrestleMania, uh, and then Drew Brock rematch uh, wherever WrestleMania is next year. I don't know. Uh, could
0: could could be. We we have seen uh, Drew versus Brock, and it was just like a what like a four minute match. Um, I think yeah, it was it very brief. Yeah. Um, so I, I wonder what a ma- like a lengthy match between the two of them would be like. Uh, I wonder if WWE would see that as the biggest possible draw. I don't know. But I came out of this show just being like, man, pretty much other than Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, I was like at attention the whole time taking notes. Um, and then the internet just went and chat all over it. But I get it. I get the dumb finishes, but I just feel like if you can take the good with the bad, Helm Cell one of the more entertaining pay-per-views I watched this year. I guess it's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like
1: the benefit to for us both is that we have other wrestling that we love, that we watch consistently, that is rewarding from a fan-based look at this. perspective. Look at
0: this, John. The scores... I always do the scores of the matches and everything. Hell in a Cell 2021, uh, 3.46 out of 5. And then if you look at... The next thing we're gonna talk about, G C W Tournament Survival three point five three. So that's a point zero seven is like how much we actually valued those pay per views differently. Which is interesting. I like seeing Even how though, those
1: shake out because sometimes I'm like, no way, we like tournament survival well, no, way more than MSL. Cer-
0: but Well no, of course. It's because um, certain matches will bring yeah, the no, totally. down and then also it's very easy to like just make that choice independently and be like, Oh, I didn't really care that that match wasn't really good because there was like three matches that were like incredible. So you kind of, yeah, this is just, it's purely mathematical. It's not actually that indicative of like how much we enjoyed the show because tournament survival was like way more our shit than hell in a cell and had way more memorable moments. And we'll, we'll think about it more, but it's just, it's interesting to see. uh, I, yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I walked away feeling just like I'm such looking different forward things,
1: to the next right? WWE pay per view. And...
0: Like we we watch WWE, it's sports entertainment. We watch GCW, it's like lots of like death matches and like hardcore wrestling. We watch NJPW because it's like peak athleticism, people like really going at each other, and we watch AEW because it's like kind of a perfect mix of all of those things. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, and just I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't like last night. Like you said at the beginning of this, there was no. Was it like a squid monster in the dumpster or something? <laughs> like, if that's the bar, like if the bar is like there is there no was no zombies. There was no zomb- zombies on this pay per view. Ninjas, right? Yes. So that's Isn't my the last show we watched again. could cannot yeah. be lower for it.
0: I think that's what happens. Is like we always watch like a really shit WWE pay per view, and then we're like, God damn it, this is the worst. And then we expect the worst, and then we watch one. And it's like actually pleasantly surprising. We're like, oh. Like you said, the wrestling
1: was great. The story's probably not as good. But. The ending's not good. Something that brings all of those things together in one perfect event of blood and carnage. GCW, Tournament of Survival.
0: 666. Six, six. Oh my
1: God, dude. Alex Cologne going for the three-peat. We get this crazy opening
0: match between G-Raver and Effie. I am. I, I don't know if I could be more impressed by Effie. Like, Effie has always been one of my favorites and seeing him in this match against like i feel like g raver like seeing people fight g raver you you see like it really tests their metal because g raver is like one of the most <laughs> intense deathmatch wrestlers yeah and the dark effie lord just, is a death match basically like effie was just going like move for move and like taking a lot of punishment and dude the yeah, match started I, out
1: so hard and so fast like G Raver sneak attacks Effie, sends him to the outside, does a huge tope. And Effie's like an all white in this like sick cutoff jumpsuit, which is like such a cool <laughs> thing to wear in a match where there's like clearly going to be blood, too. Blood and, then, and yeah, just like. like Effie glass. fires back with some strikes and kicks of his own. And then they just wrestle around the ring for a while. And they go back and forth quite a bit throughout this match. Uh, early on, they start going to like the barbed wire boards, light tubes. And, a lot of that gets uh, used on Effie, right? And then Effie hulks up, starts laughing, <laughs> and hits himself in the head with a chair, and then does like a huge chair shot to G Raver. Yeah, and it's such a great moment. Like, uh, it's just
0: Effie just being the queer wrestling icon, and just like being a badass in this match was, uh, yeah, it was just it was incredible to watch. Like. Effie throws in a blockbuster at one point through light tubes and a door and the crowd is just like so wired. This was one of the best opening matches I've seen. Yeah. For sure.
1: Absolutely. And like in double at, during Double or Nothing you could really feel the crowd. Like we talked a lot about it especially like during Box Kingston really like we're reminded of what it was like to be at, like, a live event again, and I f- felt like this was one of GCW's first shows that really felt that way, too, where...
0: That's so true. The, crowd yeah. was so the energy of the crowd was there,
1: wired. And, dude, that spot, oh, my gosh, like, not too long after the spot you just mentioned, G-Raver goes to the outside and pulls out a plastic bag, and within that plastic bag is a bag of salt and vinegar chips. This was...
0: Probably the most painful spot of the entire show. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Yeah, probably. Like, just like think how much it hurts. Just like when you have the smallest cut on your finger, if you touch like a salt and vinegar chip, it is like absolute poison. He he crumpled up the bag like into crumbs and just like put it all over Effie's torn up back, and his back was like flayed. Yeah, like and presses it into bad. his
1: back, then does a senton onto his back, knocks Effie to the ground. Effie's covered in salt and vinegar and blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's so
0: funny but this so is wild happened.
1: and so entertaining yeah and then like towards the end of the match jira pulls out a door that's covered in tacks and this is after the salt and vinegar spot yes effie does uh moonsault yeah to on to, onto the glue the tack tacks being glued to the door seems so much more painful than them being scattered also totally because some of them when when
0: you hit them they'll like move away and stuff but when they're they're glued like you're gonna get them all in you yeah and yeah like g raver after that picks up a bundle of light tubes and effie just like spears them and they all (laughs) oh right yeah dude (laughs) oh my gosh I actually thought Effie was
1: going to win this, because not long after that, I he starts wrenching I really thought Sleeper, Effie was going to win. G-Raver's screaming in agony.
0: But I think you can actually tell in these matches who is going to lose by who takes the most punishment. Because mm. it's just like, they don't have to wrestle for the rest of the night. Like, Effie's going to need the whole rest of the night after recover from from this one. Um, That's
1: interesting. Yeah, I haven't ever watched Tournament of I was thinking about it.
0: I was thinking about it after this, because I thought Effie was going to win, but then when he lost, I was like, well, of course he lost. Like, he got, we just went through, went through so much war. punishment. Yeah. I think you can kind of see it throughout the show that, like, they saved... I mean, it makes sense. The people who go through the most punishment lose. Um, but it, it seemed like that. But this match was so... Or this show was so cool because it wasn't just, you know, death match after death match. Each death match, for the most part, had its own theme. Right. So uh, one of the next matches... The next match was a bunkhouse death match between Alex Kogar... And one called Manders. And I think uh mostly that was bundles of hay and uh, <laughs> But also barbed wire. B- scattered bundles of hay ring.
1: hay bales and barbed wire. And yeah. Kokar gets stuck in barbed wire quite a bit throughout their yeah. whole show, but in this match specifically, like multiple people yeah. had to come in and cut him out of the barbed wire.
0: Yeah. It just shows that they're they're really using some dangerous stuff and there needs to be like staff on hand to like tend to wounds and also like yeah release people from like barbed wire and things like that um you actually really have to have a really professional crew to be able to pull off like crazy shit like this
1: yeah because and like largely you know we've been watching all of this together regularly for about a year now and very rarely like the only person that i can think of that's been hurt on the gcw roster it was nick gage and that was on like an accident that wasn't even like
0: what about jimmy lloyd in that in that match
1: Oh, G-Raver, G- mean? Die? The G-raver oh, G-raver. right, right. Yeah, G- okay, yeah, yeah so sorry. yes. One, yes I take that back. G-Raver lost feeling in his hand. <laughs> I take uh, that
0: back. G-Raver did almost die like a, like a, year, a, year, a, year, and a year and a half ago. ago. <laughs> but
1: okay, I was saying within the year that we've watched it. Uh, I'm just
0: saying within the year no one has died, okay? And that's a good omen.
1: <laughs> The third match was a Towers of Terror death match with huge light tubes piled in every corner, and there was... Yeah,
0: like, light tube towers. So, like, picture a base of, like, six light tubes and then four light tubes above that and, like, two light tubes. Like, just these... Op- yeah, Towers of Terror. Absolute towers of spooky dust. And uh, I, I it was like how... um, Who was it who kept calling them fuckery boards throughout the, throughout the event? I'm not I sure. I think it was... Maybe it was Joey Janela. They had a great kept...
1: like mix of people on commentary. They had Kevin Gill, Schlack, Nick Gauge. I actually can't Joey believe Janella. we haven't
0: mentioned this yet. The commentary in this was absolutely legendary, incredible. Yeah, Nick Gauge is one of the funniest people <laughs> on earth.
1: Yeah, absolutely love it. And dude, the fourth and final match of the first round of tournament of survival, Alex Cologne versus Bam Sullivan. The start of this match, oh, is so
0: good. Alex Cologne music's hit music
1: hits and like the whole three peat thing is built up to where it's like, is this gonna be the third one he's gonna win?
0: He's won two tournament survivals. He comes in out a row.
1: with a light tube sword. Like basically what was used <laughs> in the previous match, the Towers of Terror. They made an extra one for Alex Cologne. He has like this lightsaber light tube.
0: And the fucking Bulls 23. Right. Jordan Jersey.
1: His music hits. He, like, runs to the ring and slams it over Bam Sullivan's head before (laughs) he can even be announced. And streamers are still, like, raining down on him as that happens. (laughs) Just that convergence of, like, dude, his music, the streamers, the insane, like, sound that happens when that, like light tube tower bundle of terror then this was a bundles of pain match so it makes sense that this is how it started totally uh, and then yeah Alex Clone wins this match goes on to the next round and then the, uh, there was like an intermission scramble uh you know classic classic GCW scramble uh there's some great spots uh you know Calvin tankman t- tore it up as usual yes uh, of course but uh you know we we
0: oh it had my the 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 debut of for me of my new favorite uh Name in wrestling, Jack Cartwheel. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> the new Universal Champion, Jack Cartwheel. You're going to be eating your words in three years.
0: Jack Cartwheel. And guess what? He did a cartwheel, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, hell yeah. He did a fucking cartwheel. Dude. Yeah, this was all just to, like, let basically the first four comp- the competitors from the last four matches just, like, fucking... Have a breather. Have a breather, have a beer, you know? Yes, did you? <laughs> Steve, and then, Steve,
1: have you ever been in a death match?
0: Hey, <laughs> man. Every match is a death match. <laughs> we you fight Stoke Steve Austin.
1: Dude, the first round of the semifinals, Atticus Kogar versus G-Raver. Absolutely brutal match and establishes Atticus Kogar as definitely one of the new like, you know, death match dudes. Absolutely, man.
0: He beat G Raver and he just him like uh I think it was in the last pay-per-view that he fought G Raver, I think this was a rematch, and I was just so impressed that he like was in was in the same ring with him and that he like he, he went you know, he lost, but he like he, he he stood his territory, like he was he was excellent and yeah, big win. I really thought that Atticus might have been the spoiler of the three peat Yeah. I mean that would have like, build him into like a huge heat. Yeah. Well, build him into like a Ricky, the next Ricky Shane Page, basically, and then Ricky Shane Page could come back and like fight, uh, Atticus. Maybe they make Atticus a a face by that point. But... Well, that's the
1: thing. Like throughout this, I think because you know he had that crazy match with uh, Masada, I believe. Um, right. Back at Spring Break, and I remember commentary being. Even in the, on the, in this event and that event, be like, are people cheering him right now? Why are people cheering this guy? He's from Ohio. Like
0: because he because but yeah because of what he's, he's being put through.
1: Like, it's it's like
0: it's like New Japan, man. It's like you uh, you get hit with enough gusset plates, you're gonna move <laughs> up to the top of the card, dude. Um, that's
1: true. That's funny. Yeah, similar sort of uh, similar sort of mentality in a much more brutal way.
0: Yeah, this was a very brutal match. Not quite as creative as the other ones, just kind of a like a, a very brutal match. But um, yeah, Kogar went over G-Raver and moved to the to the finals. Then we had Cologne versus Nolan Edward. And for me, like, I, I feel like it was Atticus last time that like stood out and I was like, whoa, that's amazing. It was Nolan Edward this time in this pay-per-view. Right, Nolan he had that Edward. sick
1: match that, our mask, that kind of like Mankind looking, like, I did not notice that. I don't know if that's new to his look. Right. Yes. He was kind of. Yeah. You didn't know who he was, and I was like, "Oh,
0: that's just that's just Nolan Edwards." We saw him on like Bloodsport and stuff like that. But yeah, this was a glass knuckles match. So they had glass glued to their uh, to their hand tape, basically. Um, So much glass in this match. Nolan Edwards coated in blood by the end and just cut up absolutely everywhere. Again, you could tell he was gonna lose this match because he was. (laughs) <laughs> he was cut the fuck up.
1: Yeah, it didn't get, like, really really bloody until the end. They started trading blows with their hands. Up until that point, it was kind of like a mix of weapon spots and uh, right. just general sort of, like, res- wrestling moves, actually. Um, but once the yeah. Knuckles got involved, it was over. And somehow, though, not as... I've always found the Ian Rotten versus Axel Rotten match where this happens to be very very hard to watch Taipei Deathmatch is I believe what they called it um and this I don't know if it's just that this is what we've been watching regularly now so it's like but I don't know yeah I've watched this kind of stuff forever since I've been a little kid so I don't know the Ian, Ian Rotten vs. Rotten match I, I always found kind of a hard one to watch uh, similarly to the Necro Butcher Joe match a little bit, if for a different reasons, of course. Dear Lord. Uh, but I would put those similarly kind of, like, painful to watch. Um,
0: right. I'll have to avoid that then. Uh, Although I did watch Joe Butcher, so I, mean, I guess I'm open <laughs> to anything. Dude, the main event,
1: uh, though, Kogar versus Alex Cologne. Whew. Ring surrounded by light tubes. The crowd is split. Like, obviously the crowd wants Alex Cologne to pull off the three-peat win. Uh Really cool that they incorporated that arc into this tournament. Uh, You know, usually it's just a fun, wild tournament. uh, Yeah, it it really
0: felt like it had stakes. Like it was either going to be the winner was going to be triumphant, or Atticus was going to be established as like the next monster heel and just defeating defeating this like hometown boy. Not hometown, but this um, you know, homegrown star.
1: Yeah, he's like you know GCW home team. Uh, totally cool to see sick Mondo at the beginning uh shakes Alex Cologne's oh. hand kogar starts the match off right away breaking several light tubes over alex cologne cologne fires back more light tubes dude i didn't notice this both times so i watched this match twice both times it took me a minute to realize there was no ring like it's, right. it was a metal structure and you don't really notice it until oh my god they wrestle to the outside and
0: someone just falls through right. like the rope and where there should be like an apron. And then you
1: see that there is no apron. And then it's like a metal, the metal structure that underlies the ring. The camera doesn't really capture that until they're on the outside looking totally back into the ring, like trying cause they can't roll each other in because there's nowhere to roll because it's just like half the ring is like wood planks. The other half is just open for Dude. them to set up glass panes on. <laughs>
0: This match was brutal. Like, all the spots on that, like, exposed ring just looked so, so painful. Right at the beginning of this
1: match, too, like, they go to the outside. Alex Cologne pulls out. Almost looks like an NBA trophy version of, like, uh, light tubes. (laughs) And he puts uh, Atticus Kogar inside and just starts kicking and punching it. And it's so close to all the people that are there, too. It's like...
0: Yeah, they're getting some spooky dust in their face, for sure. Absolutely,
1: dude. And then right after that is when... uh, Do you
0: have to sign a waiver to, like, be a (laughs) part of a GCW show? (laughs) Like, you might get cancer in, like, 25 years. Imagine having to explain that to your grandkids. Dude, for real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, just, like, right after that is when you actually see that there is no ring, because then they set up glass panes, and Kogar backdrops Alex Sloan through the glass, through the ring and to the floor. Like, I wonder, like how like obviously the glass is there to break <laughs> break their fall kind of but like <laughs> they're used to the impact stopping like you know at that point where they hit the ring and then they go down to the floor so it seems like that would be a weird that, that must to have me heard. probably really was one of the most painful things that happened. along with the salt and vinegar yeah just, definitely <laughs> right because like they're used to they're used to it happening in a certain spot and they're taking a risk by making it happen like you know four feet below probably where it normally happens.
0: Uh, I felt like there was a crazy spot like that as well, like onto the concrete, um, on one of the last GCW shows we watched. I think I think it was like oh was Ricky it, Shane Page and uh, Gage,
1: Jordan Oliver and Gage maybe, maybe yes. Oh,
0: I mean could have been yes either
1: yeah it was because I think we were like wondering I think it I don't remember the spot spot but I think it was Jordan Oliver and Gage because I think. There was a moment where Yumi and Tommy all thought the uh match was gonna get cut short. That Jordan oh, Oliver match. Right. I don't remember what happened, but I remember yeah, it was a outside spot. Seemed to kind of uh so there's a few moments in that match, Gage versus Jordan Oliver, where they both like lost their footing or like they had to kind of like reposition themselves. And in that moment something happened and yeah, one of them hit the cement really badly. But yeah, speaking of hitting the cement, Kogar throws down a suplex on the outside. On Alex Cologne, both men just, like... At this point, they both have been through so much, so it's like, how much more can they both go through? But Cologne throws down, like, a lot of his, like, classic spots. Like, Spanish Fly, with a, while holding a light tube, onto the bare wooden ring, followed by dude, an avalanche-styles clash.
0: Avalanche-styles clash from the top ropes through glass panes. And Kogar kicks out it too, And, like, and Alex Cologne Alex shaking Cologne is his just head... Like, Absolutely cannot believe it. He's like, what the fuck do I have to do? He's on, like, his last bit of energy. What does he... (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck does Kogar go out the ring and get? Gets a fucking weed whacker. Oh, right. Yes. This was maybe the grossest thing I've ever seen. And a nod to Sick
1: Nick Mondo, which is probably, like, I imagine why they did it. Because he's... That's, like, one of the spots
0: he's known. So, Cologne basically gets a weed whacker to his exposed arm. Only lasts, like half a second but and it you, it's not the, you can't see it like it's you don't see like the the viscer or anything like that but just the fact that it happens is just so brutal Shocking. like what a rite of passage to be a GCW wrestler the
1: moment is a lot like the end of the backyard last year <laughs> like got, the guy got <laughs> the,
0: the Taliban execution downloaded from <laughs> limewire
1: yeah uh, as George Janeella would say yeah, incredible call from Joey Janela on that. I, I'm glad that we have continually referenced that because it's something Absolutely. That makes me laugh a lot. Uh,
0: Dude, this show was totally... Cologne gets totally the W. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Gets the 3 P. The, the show was totally awesome, but if you... You know, we're only going to pick up two matches, I would say Cologne versus Kogar and then the opener, um, Effie versus... Effie versus
1: G-Raver. Was, G-Raver. Was one of my favorite GCW matches. GCW has like, been as throwing a, down sick matches, but...
0: Just as like a matchup, like you, you just when you hear that Effie versus G Raver, they're just such such different types, you know. And Effie's not scared at all by by G Raver's intense look, you know. Coming out to Yellowbrook Road, he's just like absolutely unfazed. Yeah, two um,
1: very like singular, unique wrestlers converging for a death match. It it is a very very cool matchup. In like
0: it's like a shooting star.
1: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, this I'm excited. To see, I mean, yeah, uh, the we got the Backyard coming up in July. Uh, oh, true. A lot of well, great really stuff coming that. Up, up ahead. Really looking forward to seeing what happens between Nick Gage and Matt Cardona. That match seems like it's going to be pretty weird, pretty great.
0: I Yeah, I can't wait for that either. New Japan, what are you looking forward to? I
1: mean, Ibushi versus Shingo, obviously. And there has been some recent singles matches. Actually, speaking of it feeling too much like a road to, did not feel like a road to where they a few of the um recent new japan shows piqued my interest because they opened with singles matches between okada and a young lion and tanahashi and a young lion
0: oh i love that
1: yeah i feel like that, that's sick that's really cool and something that i want to see so some of the Kazuna road shows is where that um those matches took place but i remember reading that card online and being like i need to go back and watch that for sure um so I I will be going back to watch those. Obviously, looking forward to Shingo versus Ibushi. That's going to be really good. Uh, no doubt will deliver.
0: I think this was a really great stack of shows that we that we watched here between Tournament of Survival, Hell in a Cell. Dominion, and Hell in a Cell. Like all very very different shows, but just shows like the how multifaceted uh, wrestling can be, and uh, yeah, just how many different things like can be brought to the table
1: yeah absolutely and just like I think it goes I think the like because I feel like the bulk of our conversations about wrestling like with on this podcast which we've been doing now for over a year and with Thomas who we are in a 24 7 conversation with <laughs> are generally I would say almost all the time positive and if it's something we don't like I feel
0: it feels like the outlier like on an AEW show like being pissed about like Cody or something like that it's like just one of one the thing, only thing of like a, like a lot like of stuff
1: we love but i think yeah it's like you know having that a diverse set of different promotions that we're watching i think also that that goes to benefit that where it's like
0: right if you were just watching wwe you'd be so frustrated we'd be losing our all... minds
1: this whole we wouldn't do this <laughs> podcast because it would be too negative but it's not the only thing we're watching totally. uh or like yeah you know like aew's been throwing down great shows as they build up to being back on wednesday nights My... uh
0: my always hope is that someone listens to, like, one of these podcasts and just, like, throws on a show that they've never considered watching and just, like, gets yeah. introduced to something new. Same. Like if one person watches, like, a GCW show because we describe the six spots, like, that uh, that would be satisfying to me.
1: Likewise. Even just, yeah, seeking out the singular matches. Effie versus G-Raver. Out of everything we talked about, I would say that's the match. Like, go go watch that, yeah.
0: I would say watch, watch Shingo, Okada... Feg Raver and Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Those yeah. are your three, your three selects. Hell yeah. Great show, dog. Great show. This has been another episode of the Torture Racked podcast. You can follow my co-host, John F. Malta, at John F. Malta on all social media. You can follow me, Mark Bask, at Waste of Taste on Instagram. You can follow us at Torture Racked on Instagram. And please, if you're listening on Apple Music or Spotify or one of those other ones, give us a <laughs> review. It really helps the podcast and to find new listeners to join the Torture Racked Whoop Pack.
1: For us, slash Torture Racked. Hit it up.